for those of you that are working, whether you are have a job or not, is there stress in your life? Man, we are consumed with stress. Our bodies are just stressed out because we're basically living in fallen bodies. Uh, we're living in a fallen world, and we're surrounded by fallen people. And all of these things tend to create stress in us. But I just choose the workplace because I had my own business, and I took ownership of every bit of the stress associated with my business. And the last 18 years of my career, we were doing tenant-finished construction in high-rise buildings. In other words, we'd go into existing high-rise buildings in Dallas and tear down walls and put walls back and rebuild offices. And the problem is, is that they didn't want to see you, taste you, smell you. In other words, you know, we, we, were, we had to be invisible because they had existing tenants in these buildings. Well, this, this and I guess what? I had no control because I had all these subcontractors. And, and if you've ever been a general contractor, you have no control over them. The only good, the only way I tried to get control was to have 51% of their business. So when I called them, they would, you know, respond. But I just took ownership of all the stress. And you know what that's created in me today? It's a, it's a physical condition called chronic fatigue syndrome. And uh, I've only had it 35 years. And uh, it's, it's adrenal exhaustion. And um, the only reason I'm standing right here right now is because I have people praying for my strength. I didn't sleep that well last night. Uh, I'm going to go home this afternoon and sleep for an hour or so. And yet that was all born out of this living in high anxiety and stress and taking ownership of it. And I'm telling you what. Now, have I asked the Lord to remove it? Have I asked for healing? Yes, I've had everybody pray over me, anoint me with oil. And the Lord said, this is necessary. Why do you think he would say that? Does that sound like a loving God that this condition is necessary now? Would y'all would y'all bind to that? Okay, so the whole purpose is like today. I'm mostly uh, coherent. I think am I? Okay, good. <laughs> I wasn't even sure because uh, you know I'm, I feel a bit in a coma right now, and yet what does the Lord say? I'm going to empty you of you, so it's all of me. Do you see? He's using this condition that may last me, it may eventually kill me. But he's using it to keep me dependent. And, and, and to be here with you and, and how Neil and I met and we've just had this relationship and now through that being here today with you, do you think God needs my energy? Does he need my strength? No, he wants me empty. He says, Bill, I just need a water hose. Are you available? You know that God has never once asked me if I'm capable. He's only asked me if I'm available. None of us are capable, are we? Because today, you know, I, I, I kid people with this, but couldn't I have on the way over here said, God, why don't you take the weekend off? I, I got this. I got this. I, I, got, it. I got it on PowerPoint. I, I got books. I got books. I got stuff. I'm, you know, and then it's, I, I can present this. I mean, it's in my first rodeo. Couldn't I have told God to take the weekend off? Let me tell you, if I had done that, and I came here and was actually teaching you independent of God, 
but I was teaching truth. Let's say I was just teaching the same thing I'm teaching you right now, but I was doing it independent of God. Do you know what this whole weekend would be for me? A dead work. But do you know why it could be transforming for you? Because God's truth never returns void. Never. Never returns void. But I'm not that crazy. I said, Lord, I can't do this. I can't do this. I don't even, you know, there, there are just some things I'm teaching that I know, but I just don't fully believe. I'm in process, just like you. You guys struggle with that unbelief thing, though, I, I can tell. But think about it. We're learning to believe. We're becoming believing believers. Because if you believed it, wouldn't you be walking in it all the time? Okay? So the point being is, is that I'm still in process with this. I'm not capable and, of course, the enemy says, yeah, and you've never been to seminary or Bible school either. You know how the enemy loves to pile on? And yet I said, Lord, apart from you, I can do nothing. I can't do this this weekend. Would you do it through me? Would you speak through me? Would you love through me? Would you change lives through me? Would you do that through me? And he said, yes, I'll do that. What I'm teaching is what I'm living right now. I'm not teaching you anything. All I'm doing is bearing witness, isn't it? The reason I talk about myself is because I want you to see where God has brought me to give hope and confidence. Remember, Brian, we using the word Christ confidence last night. I am Christ confident that God is doing a work now. But here's the thing you need to understand. He's not only doing a work through me. He's doing a work in me. He's doing a work in me right now. So we're in this together. I'm just so glad you came. I know there are more effective mouthpieces out there. Well, amen. But you got stuck with this one. And by the way, God spoke through a jackass. Did you know that? Now, I made a mistake of telling my Tuesday morning Bible study, a group of men, that God spoke through a donkey. So every time I'd go to speak, one guy in particular, he was the sportscaster for San Antonio. And he said, Bill, just be the best jackass of choice this weekend. Right? You see, it's not. And God did speak through a burning bush. That lets me off the hook because I'm not responsible for what you get or not. But do I want to? What, what I'm, you know what's going on in my mind now? I'm saying, go, God, go, God, do it, release it, release the power, give revelation, give hope, give confidence, give whatever you need, but do it through me because I'm sitting on the 50-yard line right now. I'm watching God work. I don't know specifically what He's doing, but I know His truth will not return void. I'll tell you one more story. Just, just to keep, especially if you struggle with rejection, I was preaching in a church near me, uh, substitute preaching. And um, I was just teaching some of these truths. And there was this guy on the back row. I mean, he was vibrating so hard, Jen. I mean, this guy, he, I got to get out of here. I got to get out. I can't stand this. What I was teaching him was like fingernails down a chalkboard. And so I'm, I'm watching him. So I finally finish. I, I do the final prayer. And you know where he was by the time the prayer was over? He was gone. And I just started, you know what comes up in me? It's a little self-righteousness right then. It's like, okay, God's going to get you. Okay. But you know, as that was welling up in me, God said, don't go there, Bill. And I said, why? He said, let me tell you something. I just made an irrevocable, non-refundable deposit in his heart. He can walk away from you, but he cannot walk away from me. 
the truth has been deposited. So I know that today there's one person in this room that came today that needs to hear what's being said. There may be somebody in here who just got lost on the way to Walmart, right? All I'm saying is, is that if truth is being spoken, deposits are being made into our hearts, and he may not use it today, but he'll use it tomorrow. Because I guarantee you, the first time I heard Christ in you, the hope of glory, was not in 1998. I want the Holy Spirit, when I, or Jesus, to tell me when I get to heaven, he says, no, Bill, I sent this messenger, and this messenger, and this messenger, but you didn't have ears to hear. But I'm just so glad that you're here today because the privilege of being here and sharing these things. I just wish I could make you believe. Wouldn't that be nice? So I'm stressed out at my job. What if I hold on to that stress? What could be some of the ramifications of that? It doesn't have to be job. It can be any form of stress. What are some of the ramifications of the stress? Maybe you're experiencing right now. Mental breakdown. Yeah, that's where stress could eventually lead you. Anything else? (laughs) Wow, that's a graphic for us. Thank you. uh, Right before lunch. Okay, bleeding ulcers, anything else? Stress. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm dependent on either that or I'm dependent on me to fix something I can't fix. And when you look about it, it it's situations you can't fix right now and you have no control, doesn't that just tighten your stomach just a little bit? I want to control it. I want to fix it. I can't fix it. Does that sound like freedom to you? Let me, let me just say something. It's like rejection. I'm living in a stress-filled world. I'm living in a stress-filled body. But do I have to take ownership of it? Do I? And there's one more thing I've got to reveal to you about myself. I, live, I used to live a lot in self-pity. I mean, I I had pity parties, and you didn't need to join me. I could do it all by myself. And what I would do is, I've got chronic fatigue. I need you to, you know, have pity on me. Who's it about? It was about me. And all this stress and all of these things, and I would go to God, and I says, God, if you really love me, you'd take this away. He said, no, but thank you for asking. It's necessary for you... Because what I'm going to show you is it's not about you, it's about me through you. And so what God began to do is offload the stress of life. And you know what that frees me up to do? To love you, to accept you, to minister to you, to be about you. So let's just take a step of faith. I'm stressed out of my job. I'm taking ownership. This is the result of that. If I, but basically, I'm entrusting that stress to you, and I'm trusting you to be my peace and rest. One of the terms for the life that I'm talking about is called the exchanged life. That's one term you may hear, okay? And what do you think is happening? If I'm giving him my stress, what is he giving me? Peace. So I want you to think of this as a divine exchange between my struggle, my need, my desire, and what is he going to do? He is going to be the need meter. Think of it as an exchange, all right? So I can live 
because didn't this, didn't this really tell us where we can live? When, when people look at you, do they see a stressed out person? What would you like them to see? I want them to see in me peace and rest. Do you know how attractive that is to people that don't live in that? I remember in that 30, first 30 years, and I would come around people, and I mean, there was just a, you, you know what they were like? They were like a hammock. That's why I put a hammock on the stress or rest book there, because you know that's who Jesus is, is the divine hammock. I don't know if, if I've boiled the Christian life down to six words. If Jesus is the hammock, where does he want me to live? It's in rocket science. In the hammock. Thank you. He wants me to live in the hammock. <laughs> Do we need to talk? He wants you to live in the hammock. And what's going to happen? Stress comes, and what do you do? You say, no, i got to go out and fix it. i got to go out and deal with it. And here are the three words you hear. Stay with me. But let me tell you what. You jump out of the hammock. You're going out here trying to fix and control and do whatever you do. And these are the three words I don't want to hear. Come to me. Remember that one, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But you see, we were designed... Where do you think Adam and Eve were living before the fall? In the hammock. They were living in the hammock. And now what God is saying is, that was your design. You don't have to take ownership of this stress. I want to talk about this one. Um, this one's not a real savory one if you're struggling with this. But I want to talk about forgiveness in light of this Christ is life. Um, so I'm just going to give you a little short lesson on this. But... What are some of the reasons for unforgiveness? Uh, this is what I've seen. Pride, forgiving him or her, uh, makes me look weak. How about this? If I were to forgive, I might lose control. Revenge, the guy or the gal who's perpetrated this needs to be punished. This is one I hear a lot. I can't forgive because that's overlooking or condoning his or her sin. And the number one is I don't feel like forgiving. So here's some of the results of unforgiveness. Inner turmoil, you continue to hold offenses, it poisons relationship, Satan gains a foothold, bitterness, just an emotional separation from God. In other words, what happens is, is that unforgiveness cuts off the flow of Christ's love and forgiveness through you. And I want to tell you that um, I lived in um, unforgiveness, anger, and bitterness towards my father for 48 years. And, and this is what I looked like. I was in prison. I was, my heart was becoming harder towards God. Everybody around me, I was toxic. That's what unforgiveness does. It's a cancer on your soul. It hardens your heart. And, and you, you think about the people that were around me, the people that worked for me. I was toxic. I wish I could just go back and get videos and those people would just come up here and bear witness to the fact that I was toxic to them. All driven by this unforgiveness and this unbitterness. And so um, <clears throat> my dad, in 1998, um, let's see, I'm sorry, I was 99, 
had a stroke. He you know, drank. I mean, the guy was pickled. He was 86, still drinking. Had a stroke that should kill apparently 90% of most people, but not my dad. And he lived for 18 more months. And I was just learning all these truths that I'm teaching you. And he came up to me. I mean, the Lord just spoke to me one day. And he said, Bill, do you have any excuse for not forgiving your father? Now, you know what I did with my father? I, could, I put him in a box. I shut the door. I put a padlock. And you just leave my father out of this. I, I was incredulous. But you know what the Lord was doing? He took the lock off, opened the door, and says, we're going to deal with this now. I didn't want to deal with him. I just wanted him to die, and I knew he was going to heaven. And, you know, amen. He's with Jesus. He's not my problem anymore. Are you kidding? He could have died that day, and it's still my problem because I'm still harboring all this anger and bitterness and, and, and hatred. And then he said, Bill, what have you been teaching about? I always hate this. I know, I know Neil does too. You know, how is this working for you? Because what, I, what he was saying is, how much forgiveness do you have in me? What's the answer? All of it. So do you have any excuse for not forgiving? I, I was mad at God. I wanted to hate my father. I wanted to be bitter against him. Because do you know what he did to me? I could spend here days telling you specific things he did to me to abuse me. To create such woundedness in my heart. And I just asked God, have you forgotten what he's done to me? He said, Bill, I went to the cross for that. I went to the cross for you. I went to the cross for him. Well, I'll tell you more of the stories to get into this. But if there's somebody that you've not forgiven, you might think about this prayer, Lord, remind me that you've totally forgiven me. I contain all your forgiveness. Therefore, I have no excuse for not forgiving, in this case, my dad. You see, I was holding on to the burning charcoal. There was anger, there was bitterness, there was ongoing forgiveness. And maybe you've come to this place, I did. I struggled with forgiving my dad as a result of what this person did to me. I will never, ever, ever be able to forgive them. Isn't that interesting how we do that? And yet, you know what, there's something truth of it, true about that. I can't forgive him. Why not? My will is controlled by my flesh, and it's saying no. Are you with me? I can't forgive him, but why is that good news? God can. God can, and he will. So this, this is how it started. My father was in a nursing home 18 months before he died. And here's what the Lord said to me. Now, this is something I want you to hear me. He didn't ask me this question, Bill, are you willing to forgive your father? What do you think my answer would be? Absolutely not. No way it's going to happen. God knew I was unwilling, but this is what he asked me to pray. Will you let me forgive your dad through you? Who's doing the forgiving now? Who is? God's doing it. But what is, my, what is my part depending on Him to do it through me? Do you, are you following me now? My heart was hard. But I said, and as I was a little cynical because God says, I want to forgive Him through you. And I said, well, knock yourself out, God. I mean, you know. 
No, he says, Bill, I want you to participate with me. I want you to participate with me. So every time I drive up to the nursing home, that prayer would come to mind. Bill, are you going to let me forgive him through? Yes, Lord, I'm asking you to forgive him through me. What do you think God was doing in me that 18 months as I prayed that prayer? He was changing my will. He was changing, he was softening my heart. He was doing something supernatural in me. I can't explain it till this day. All I can tell you is, uh, probably weeks before he died, I was about to walk in. Here's what the Lord asked me. Not a verbal voice, it's just clear. Are you willing to forgive your dad? And guess what I said, Wanda? Yes! Yes! Now guys, that may not mean anything to you, but for me, it was the parting of the Red Sea God took me from not only no, but heck no, to yes, yes. I mean, I couldn't believe it. He changed my hardened heart to go from no to yes. It took 18 months. All I'm telling you is this, this process of walking in Christ, depending on Christ, there was labor involved because my flesh said I don't want to do it, and yet the Lord kept moving my heart to say yes. And I'm telling you what, it, it just was the most amazing thing Because let me tell you how my dad died in 2000. I've moved from unforgiveness to forgiveness to unconditional love. Because do you know who I'm going to meet in heaven? The father I'm supposed to have. I just love my dad today. It's unconditional. There's nothing based on what he did to me for sure. But I just love him. I I think about days that I could just sit down with my dad today and say, Dad, let me tell you what God's been doing in my life. He can do the same thing for you. Because you know what? I have compassion for my father now. He never experienced one day of life in Christ. Not one day. He abused out of all the pain that was in his heart. Not excusing it. I just now know that he, he, didn't, he didn't know the life of Christ. He trusted Christ. He just didn't know what the life was like. So let me just go on here for a second. I struggle with forgiving my dad, I confess to you that I'm trusting you to transform me so that I will live from your forgiveness for this person. How about this? I'm unwilling to forgive. I entrust this willingness. I'm asking you to transform my will so that I will be willing. So let me just turn the tables on you. If you're living below the line, it's bondage. It's bondage. It's prison for you. And so I'm just asking you today, if you have someone in mind that you're really struggling, would you, would you be willing to take the first step? Would you be willing to pray this prayer? Lord, I can't forgive this person, but I'm going to trust you to forgive them through me. Can you imagine how painful that first step was for me to pray that prayer? Horribly painful, excruciatingly painful. But who gave me the willingness to even pray the prayer? God did. I took that step. And each step got easier until finally I was free from my father. I mean, the the cell door went open. I walked out. And you know what? That has freed me up here today. That if you want to create an offense, you know, unforgiveness starts, right? You offend me. I take ownership of it. Now you owe me something. Do you realize that we are unoffendable in Christ? I mean, let's just, let's just take, um, I'm tired of picking on Neil, so I'll pick on Jerry. 
Can we pick on Jerry? Where's Jerry? Oh, he's in the back. He's hiding back there. So Jerry offends me. But do I have to take ownership of his offense? No. Would that be freedom if I didn't? Right? So the good news is, anybody can offend me, but why do I even need to forgive if I don't take ownership of the offense in the first place? Do you see a key word here? It's freedom, 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 freedom. I'm going to be free from something in order to be free to something. Me being free from my unforgiveness from my Father is probably being used, was part of what God did to bring me here today, to be free to love you. And, and you can try to offend me all day long, but I, I just, I'm just going to love you anyway. I'm sorry. And there's nothing you can do about it. So let's, let's um, I want to wrap this up. The need is Christ's forgiveness. We take these steps of faith. We don't, the problem is the timeline. Okay? Because when, when, when we started this process with my dad, it was 18 months. Did I know it was going to take 18 months? I had no idea. I just knew to take another step of faith and another step of faith and another step of faith. There were times I wanted to quit. There were times I wanted to say nothing's happening. There were times I was saying, God, you're not working. Why did I take another step of faith? Do you know what he was revealing to me? Each step of faith was the death that my unforgiveness was creating in me. He was revealing it to me. It's like the, the Second Peter, I hate to do this right before lunch, talks about the dog returning to its vomit throwing it up and lapping it up. Now, how's that a picture for you? My wife says I need to get a little cleaner examples, but I'm just telling you, that's what unforgiveness is. Isn't that what sin is? Isn't that what the flesh is? We just throw it up and lap it up? And God is saying, no, Bill, it's death. I want you to turn away from it. So when I started down that journey, and let's say there's one thing on that list you want to pursue, the key word is intentional. In other words, Lord, I've, I've just lived in so much fear, and I want you to be my peace. And, and what I mean by potential is, is that, okay, Lord, I want to see if this really works, right? So <clears throat> what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray this prayer, Lord, be my peace. You have this fear, you have this anxiety, Lord, be my peace, all right? So what we see is, is that down here below the line, this is where so many Christians are living, but let me ask you, where do you want to live? Below the line or above the line? Because God put himself in you to live above the line, to live out of this Christ likeness. Because you know below the line, whether it's flesh or circumstances or relationships, it's never going to stop. It never stops, it's always something. But do you see what God is saying is, like Paul, can you be at peace in the midst of difficulties, distresses? Can, can you live in rest in the midst of the chaos in your life? Isn't there something attractive about that, folks? I want to live above the line. Well, this to me is the most realistic expression of our journey to truth. Okay? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just look at this because... Um, for 48 years, this line went way, way over here, right? Rejection. And so one day, I took a step of faith, and I said, Lord, I'm trusting you to be my acceptance. I went above the line. How long did I stay there? 
not very long. Why do you think I didn't stay there above the line but gave in to the flesh? What's up? Okay, temptation, right? What else? Okay, I wasn't totally dependent. And let me add one more thing. Those are two great points. The grip of the flesh was so strong. It just, it just grabbed me and dragged me back down below the line. And so what did the Lord say? Take another step of faith. Lord, I'm trusting you to be my acceptance. Where did I go then? Back above the line. What's the difference from the first time and the second time? I grew and I lived in acceptance. And then what happened? Okay, the grip of the flesh. You know, Neil called me up. Got that rejecting remark. Drove me before the line. But let me tell you what's happening. As you fall, as you take a step above the line, God's showing you what acceptance is. You know what He's showing you below the line? The death of rejection. Do you see what I'm saying? He's showing you, no, Bill, you, I'm working here. You're really accepted in me. I go down that rejection. It feels like death to me. And so I took another step and another step. And you know, I would love to say that I'm living, you know, I flatlined across the, the top above the line. I still fall prey to that, but not as much. Because I'm now believing I'm accepted in Christ. This, is, this really is the normal Christian life. The question is, will you take the first step of faith? Will you trust Him to be your acceptance? You know, Joe, uh, if you don't mind me sharing, we're talking about boldness, right? Lord, be my boldness. Well, as Joe takes those steps, whatever the opposite of that is for, for you, Joe, you know, it may take you back below the line. But guess what? You're not going to live there because you're going to take another step of faith and another step of faith and another step of faith. In each step, you're standing a little bit longer above the line and then you fall. And what the enemy's saying, every time you go below the line, what do you think the enemy might be saying? See, you failed. See, you failed. What else? You're worthless. You're worthless. Anybody else? Never come back. Never come back. It's never, it's never going to happen. But what if you don't take the next step of faith? What's the result of that? Nothing changes. It will get worse. I've got to tell you a quick story about one of my board members. He'd been in a 22 tumultuous year marriage. And this guy, boy, God used her to break him. She had been molested as a child. So much anger that comes out of that. So much anger. If you've, if you've gone through that, I just... Uh, I, 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 I'll trade all my abuse for that. I, I just, <clears throat> I can't imagine anything worse. It really hits the core of your identity. And his wife was just angry. But he learned these truths and he hung in there. But we'd just have these calls. And one day he uh, called up. And I mean, for 40 minutes he vented. And I mean, he was just upset. And he had had enough. You know, I think I'm done. I mean, it went on and on and on. And I'm praying this whole time. I'm saying, Lord... I hope you have a response for him because at some point he's going to quit talking. And so it went on for 40 minutes. And he finally got done. And I had nothing to tell him. The Holy Spirit had not given me one thing to tell him. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do now? He said, Bill, I know what you're going to tell me. I said, what? <laughs> he said, it's the same thing you tell me every other time I call. Take another step of faith. Take another step of faith. I said, that's exactly what I'm going to tell you. He says, great. Good talking to you. Click. Click. 
And you know what's happened in his marriage? She, through him, has come to brokenness. As his life was being lived and expressed, and they're now having a marriage I never thought possible. I never thought they'd ever make it. God is the God of the impossible. Because he, he kept going through this process of just loving and hating and loving and hating, and then he went above and stayed above, and then it became more and more. And the unconditional love of God broke her through him. Would you call that power? God, it's amazing. I wish I could get some of these video. I need to get some of these testimonies on video, but I'll just never forget. So when you call me, the first time you call me, I'm going to say, I think we need to take another step of faith. And then you're going to call me again, and you're going to be in great pain. What are we going to do? Take another step of faith. Because what happens is, and this is what we need to understand, this is a supernatural work of the Spirit of God that as he's doing this, I call it holy displacement. Have you all heard of that before? You ever heard of that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, let's say I have a glass of dirty water. All right? And you fill in what it is you're struggling with. Fear, anxiety, unforgiveness. And now I have a pitcher full of clear water, totally clear water. When I start pouring in, what begins to happen to the dirty water? Okay, but what else? It's flowing out, is it not? In other words, if I pour enough clear water in there, it will displace all of that, and I will be, I could drink that water at some point. That's what God is doing in our hearts. It's called holy displacement. He's exchanging your fear for His peace, your insecurity for His insecurity, your lack of, ex- your rejection for His acceptance. But it t- and, and I wish it were like that, a pitcher, but it's more like an eyedropper sometimes. It's going to take time to get it out. All I can do is bear witness, and we're going to wrap it up with this, that I'm telling you, I couldn't be here today if I lived in the fear I lived in, if I lived in the inadequacy, if I lived in the rejection, if I lived in the unworthiness, I couldn't be here today. But I'm here today because of Ephesians 3.20. And this is Paul's testimony. He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we could ask or think, according to the power that works within us. And you know what? I believe that. I believe, I'm standing here today because of what he's done, and he's doing, and he will do. And you know, I, I, there was one day, it was about seven years ago, and I was walking my dog, and I'm out there, and just enjoying my dog, and God, and and I said, Lord, I mean, you, you've brought me to places. I just started weeping. I said, you brought me to places I never thought I'd see. To be, to be free from these things that you've set me free from. I, why can't you just take me home right now? This would be a great time. And you know what the Lord said? Oh, no, Bill, there's much more. There's more. So guess what? Seven years later, I'm living in the much more of God. And you know what he's telling me today, Wanda? There's much more. You keep taking another step of faith. You keep drawing on me. You keep letting me be your source. You keep living in this branch fine relationship. And I'm going to do exceeding abundantly beyond all you could ask or think. Shouldn't that be where every believer is today? Sorry, I'm going to start preaching. I just believe that I want to see... Christians that are in awe of what God is doing. I mean, let me give you a visual. Tomorrow morning, we're all standing here and we're just sitting here with our mouth open. 
And somebody walks in, and they look at what's going on, Wanda? You got your mouth? Oh, oh, God, let me tell you. Let me tell you what God has done in my life. Let me tell you what God is doing in my life. Let me tell you what, He can do the same thing for you. Don't you think that would be infectious? If we're all sitting here in the awe of God, in the wonder of God, in the power of God, the life of God, not to mention the love of God. So guys, tomorrow we'll kind of wrap this up and probably do some review <clears throat> tomorrow as well. But tomorrow at Sunday school, uh, I'm going to be teaching on free to love, which is another place God has me. I'm actually finishing a book on this topic. I've got a booklet back there. But I'm telling you what, the one thing I love about life in Christ is the freedom being free from in order to be free to. And so that's my heart for you. That's my heart for you. I don't want you to spend one more day in the bondage of your lives, your unbelief, your false beliefs. Maybe it was your woundedness. And so I think what the Lord is asking us, will you take a step of faith? Will you take another step of faith? Because you know where my Christ confidence comes from, Brian? I'm experiencing it. I know what He can do. I have people calling me all the time, God can't do it, He can't do it, He can't do it, He can't do it. And you know what I'm thinking? Yes, He can, yes, He can, and He will, and He will, and He will. I, I'm, I'm, I look at myself as a, as a kind of a cheerleader, you know? Come on, let's take another step of faith. Come on, let's take another step. I just take them by the hand. I'm dragging them sometimes, right? But we're going to keep walking, and then all of a sudden they have that, aha, God did something. I'm thinking something different. I'm feeling something different. There's something changing in my behavior. Is it supernatural? This whole life is supernatural. And, and that word gets such a bad rap, but do we serve a natural God or a supernatural God? Supernatural God. God only does God things. So I can't sit here and give you steps. I can't give you a formula. All I can say is, I know what He can do. He lives within you. He doesn't want that bottled up. He wants to open the bottle, and He wants to let it out through you. And so the point is, it really boils down to a choice. We let Him. We let Him do it. I'm excited about my Christian life. I can't think of any other place I'd rather be than right here with you. To watch the life and the power and the love of God pour forth into your hearts. And He knows exactly what you're facing today. He knows exactly what the core of your struggle is today. And you may be hearing these three words. Come to me. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. I'm the answer. I'm the source. I'm the provider. I'm the producer. And I love you. I know what you're going to look like on the other side of this transformation. Will you let me do it? Will you let me do it? Will you let me do it? Father, um, thank you. Thank you for letting me be here today with these saints. Thank you, Lord, for the deposits that you've made in our hearts. But, Lord, there's a part of us that's saying no. There's a part of us that says I'm unworthy. There's a part of us that says I can't really believe that you could do it based on what I've done. Or that maybe you're able but not willing. Lord, would you destroy all our arguments 
and simply say, Lord, we're going to take another step of faith. We're going to take a step. We're going to take another step. Because really, my heart is, I think your heart, that you want every person in this room to be able to stand up here and say with Paul that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we could ask or think according to your power that lives within us. So, Lord, that's my plea with you. You've made the deposits. Would you continue to, to work in the hearts of these saints? Give them a willingness to say yes. Show them that there's no other way but you who are, you, you are the way. There is no other life because you are the life that lives within us. But, Lord, we live in a world of, of fallen people. We live in a world controlled by the enemy. We, we live in such a culture of flesh and sin, and yet, Lord, you're going to use all of it to move us down this path of transformation because, Lord, we're going to look like you. We're going to think like you and behave like you and believe like you. And, Lord, that is our heart because that's the heart you've given us. So I pray that today we can leave here with a sense of anticipation Give us that sense of anticipation. There are great things in store. You're going to move us to these new places. And all, we're going to, all we can say in response to that is thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Uh, tomorrow, uh, if you want to come at 930, I'm just going to do a little separate thing called Free to Love. And then we'll, in the church service, we'll kind of put all this together and wrap it up. But for you guys that have been here, I really appreciate, uh, usually this is where conferences end. Uh, Neil's going to give me one more shot tomorrow for all the people that weren't here. So it'll be a bit of a review, a couple of things I want to share. But I just want you to know I'm excited about being here. And you're, you're incredible people. You really are. I, I just praise God. I'm so glad that God brought Neil and Jen here. This is a sweet spot and I'm, I'm so thankful that they're here because our hearts are knitted. In fact, I, I told Neil that I feel like I'm just an echo of what you hear every Sunday. It's just a different voice. Amen? Amen. All right. Have a great rest of the week. We'll see you tomorrow.